You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, thank you so much for just being with us all the way till Thursday afternoon. You have been um, very present here at camp meeting ever since we came last Friday, and I just want to thank you for that. And now as um, Don and Lisa share, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be here in a powerful way, that you will speak to each one of our hearts, um, touch us where we need to be touched, and um, thank you so much that you care so much about us, that um, you provide us resources, you provide us people who have gone before us, who have struggled and who have um, overcome and are overcoming through you. And so today we just want to uh, commit this presentation into your hands and our lives and our marriages and um, even those that are may not be married or uh, whatever, but we're, we're all humbly here before you, and we just thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Lisa. I'm Don. Thank you for braving the rain. Yeah. You are the, the brave ones. Pretty intense out there, huh? <laughs> well, I just wanted to share a little bit about who Don and I are, then we'll go into our our time with you more into depth. We have been married 35 years, right? I got it right. <laughs> 35 years. We have four children. One is ours and three from a previous marriage. What ounce? We live in Niles, Michigan. Who lives near Niles? We got one taker. Okay. <laughs> awesome. That's about it. Can't think of anything else. Our testimony will tell a lot more of that. Yeah. Yeah, our, our testimony is definitely not to glorify ourselves in any way. You'll see that there is no glory in it without Jesus Christ. He is the one that can take our sins and our trash and turn them into treasures to help other people. Amen. And that's really our mission, is to help other people struggling with the same things that we've gone through in our life, in our married life. You'll um, see that we'll be very straightforward with you and very open. And we're not asking everybody to be as open as we are, but God's called us to be open because it's not about us. It's all about Him and the things that He has done in our lives. And praise God for that. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, fleshly lust which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And you know, we've been in this big pandemic the um, COVID pandemic, and it's swept across our nation. World. But you know, the whole world, yeah. But you know what else is sweeping across our world that so many of us have our blinders on and we don't even see it. It is pornography and sexual addictions that is sweeping through our churches, our schools, our homes, um, and it's all around us. And we need to um, remove our blinders and really 
pay close attention, especially if you have children. There has been many times when people will come to us, tell us what's going on with their children, the academies and in other churches. We really need to keep an eye on our teenagers. You know, when there's potluck, where are our teenagers? Are all the Sabbath school rooms locked? These are very important things. There are teenagers that are watching porn at our churches in Sabbath school rooms, masturbating right in the same room with other women. This is happening all around us, and we really need to open our eyes. We need to watch where our kids are, who they're with, and what they're doing. Because we get so involved in our potlucks or whatever we're doing, our meetings, where are our children? And it's very important to realize the importance of that. Also, cell phones are very dangerous for kids in academies. Kids that are five years old. Yeah, but cell phones, I don't know. When you give them that, it's like giving them a key to a liquor closet. You're going to want your kids to drink. You're not going to give them the key to the liquor closet, which we don't have anyhow, right? But giving them a cell phone in academy is like giving them the key to the world and to pornography and all kinds of sins. It opens up the website. There's dangerous people out there that are searching out for for our girls and talking with our girls, promising them this if they just come with them and It's dangerous stuff, people. It really is. We're glad that you're here to to be educated a little more, as we have been. And we continue to be more and more educated um, as we share and others share with us. So, And we want you to know also that we're very trustworthy people, that if any of you want to talk with us about anything, we're there for you. Stays with and us. it stays with us. It goes nowhere. I know a lot of times, my, like myself, when my husband was involved in sex, sexual immorality, his addiction, it meant so much to me to be able to have a trustworthy friend that I could talk to. Because you don't just go and talk to anybody about these things. You don't want to trash your husband. That's not what it was about. It's like, help, we need help. And if we all act as if we're perfect at church, who do we go to? If we as parents don't, don't share anything from our past, that yeah, you know, I, was, I had struggles too, honey. And let them know that you're a real person, that you're not perfect. It opens the doors for your children to be able to talk to you as well. Because there are so many pressures out with our teenagers right now. So, Don, do you want to share a little bit? How available is it? It used to be you had to go into the video store or to a certain grocery store that would carry the magazines, and you could sneak around behind a panel and get the video you want and make sure nobody else is there that you know and go out and buy it or rent it. Mm-hmm. Now it's so available, friends, anywhere you are in the world, you can have it instantly. Instantly. Like Lisa said, we, we have a lot of people that come up to us and, and ask for help. Five-year-olds are being handed a cell phone with open internet and are viewing 
images they shouldn't ever see in their life, let alone at five years old. We had a family that approached us that had just found out that their 11-year-old was meeting with other kids at church when they were having youth meetings and going to another room and looking at pornography together. And she found out they'd been doing that for six months. And she didn't have a clue. We have to take our blinders off, parents. Mm -hmm. And if you think that your child just would never do that, think again because someone can just introduce it to them. It's not that your child is bad and says, I want to do that. It's somebody introduces it and then they're attentive to, what was that about? It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Our world, Satan has turned the heat up. You've heard it talked about where as the Israelites were ready to enter Canaan, what did Satan do? He stirred up the illicit women and brought them in from Midian. And there was over 25,000 that died from the plague that God put upon them because of the sexual immorality that was taking place. That is just a drop in the bucket for what Satan wants for our time now. Mm -hmm. We are ready to enter the land of Canaan, right? We're getting ready. We're supposed to be going into the land of Canaan, and yet Satan has said, hmm, I got an old trick in the bag. I'm going to pull. But he's turned up the heat unbelievably from that time. Right now, already on the internet, virtual reality pornography is starting to sweep. That is like a level six times above what just looking at some normal pornography is. Because virtual means it puts you right there like you are actually taking part in this. I think there's the glasses that and, they And the addictions wear. that are going to result from that. Satan knows are chains to lock people up. It's already hard to get someone out of sexual addiction and then this is just going to really heat it up and make it even more impossible. But through Jesus, it's definitely possible. Just some quick stats. 68% of divorce cases involved one party meeting a lover over the internet. 56% involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic materials. Let me give you a stat that I just learned recently. Someone has an affair, and first of all, I'm not accusing anyone. As I said, we are very open. Mm -hmm. We will be telling you about our dirt. If someone has an affair and leaves their spouse and marries that person, do you know what the rate is for their success as a marriage to survive that marriage? 3%. 3%. Will survive that. But on the other end, you know what? If a young lady and a young man are pure and have no others when they get married, do you know what the divorce rate is for that? 5%. 5% if they're pure, only 5% would be divorced. So, we're talking about something that Satan knows is very effective in destroying us, right? 
We can go on with stats. Mm-hmm. I just want to make one point. Is 70% of women who are married to someone that is addicted to pornography or a sex addict, they can be, the women can be diagnosed with PTSD. We all know that that's post-traumatic stress disorder. It's real. It's real. It's very, it's very hard for the wife to know what to do. And I'll explain how I handled it. <laughs> well, so we're going to jump into our testimony a little bit and do it a more abbreviated. This we, is us. This is our wedding day. That's me as a little boy and Lisa as a little girl. She looked like Shirley Temple, didn't she? <laughs> well, that's us on our wedding day. I had been married 12 years before that, had three children. I was 33 years old. Lisa was 20. That tells you a little difference there. But I had no doubt. I wasn't serving the Lord. I wasn't walking with God. I had left the church. I was living my life, drinking. devil had me on a track for being an alcoholic, I can tell you that. I'd go right from work to the bar, and then from the bar, I didn't know how I got home, but I'd wake up in the morning and right back to work in the bar. That was my life at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We met each other in church, which was amazing. Because I was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And my cousin drugged me to church one Sabbath. <laughs> but before that, as a young man growing up, I was a, a preacher's kid. And growing up as a preacher's kid, I was the third in my family of kids. I had an older brother and sister. I felt a lot of rejection in my family. I love my family. I still love all my siblings. We get together and, and love each other. But that doesn't mean we don't have dysfunction in our families. And Satan is watching that. And when you are born, he is setting you up for a plan of how to destroy you. When my little sister came along and I was six, I felt rejection like never before because Mama now had a baby. And who was Donnie? He was just floating in the middle. Kind of like a ping pong ball to bat back and forth and and brother and sister to pick on. And I just felt lost. And so that rejection in my life, I was already an introvert. I just kind of went inside. Satan was setting me up for the ultimate to introduce me to something that I could take care of myself with, pornography. Because when I would feel bad, I could go to that, and that would make me feel better for a moment. And then the shame, and then the guilt, and then the cycle would continue. So that's how my life started out. I was introduced to pornography in my early teens, 12, 13 years old. I tried to be functional in school, I became the class clown because to get attention I had to do something and I was an introvert so I was afraid to talk to the girls so I would cut up. I'd always be known as the class clown goofing off and went on through high school, married a gal in high school. After I got out, she was a a sophomore when I was a senior. Married her because we had had intimacy together not because we loved each other. I had dated all her friends, and she was the first one that invited me to have sexual intimacy. And so I thought, as a good Adventist kid, you've got to marry her because you've had intimacy with her. 
That's what God would expect. At the same time, God was saying, Don, listen to me. Your plans aren't the right plans. Listen to me. And I wasn't listening to him. I went ahead and married her. We had three children that became the love of my life. Not my wife. But you see, I entered that marriage with a suitcase that was already pretty heavy and had a lot of weight in it from pornography to selfishness, deceit, you name it. How do you enter a marriage and live a great life together when one of you is carrying that and the other is carrying another suitcase full of all other kinds of things? Tamara and Stephen talked about that the other day, how the two come together, but <laughs> oh, it's not just, oh, I, I'm all perfect, are you perfect? And let's, <laughs> let's just walk down this aisle together, we're all perfect now, we're going to be one like it says, and live happily ever after. That's what Lisa expected to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I entered my first marriage carrying this, made it 12 years, she had an affair, that I didn't know, I wasn't even aware of till after I was going through the the uh, divorce, and so that marriage ended. My children were ripped out of state, taken away from me. So now I've lost the love of my life and my wife, and I'm floundering. And that's when I had walked away from God years before that, just living my life for the dream, make get as much money as I can. But I kept this thing going on in the background, the secret life. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's a total secret life because you can't let anybody know about that. And so you're hiding it, so you're just pretending, putting on that mask, looking really good. And when I met Lisa, the, the mask worked. She, she thought, wow, this is the man of my dreams, right? Yeah, he walked through the doors of my church in Jackson, Michigan, and um, oh, my dad always said that the, the man I would marry someday would come to those church doors, and there he was, Mr. Perfect. We went out on a date that night. We just were mesmerized by each other, and I loved it because he was an older man. He was established in life. He was very handsome. <laughs> Still is. He's even more handsome now. Yeah, I was like wanting to get married and have kids. That was my, my goal in life, thinking he's established and we can get this going, you know. And I gave, up, I gave up a lot of my morals that I had been brought up with um, as an Adventist Christian. I always said that I would never have sex before I got married. Something about Don made me forget all of that and the importance of that. I thought, well, i got to have sex with him because he's an adult. He's had sex before, and if I don't, then I'm going to lose him. And I didn't want to lose him. So I was willing to give myself up to that. Well, before that even, I had told her like on the second date. I knew she yeah. was an Adventist. And, and you can't hit anybody over with a bigger red flag than this. <laughs> I said, I have been an Adventist, I've been there, I've done that, and I won't ever do it again. 
And I said, okay. Okay. <laughs> and continued in the relationship. So what did that lead to? We lose our heads, ladies, when we take ourselves off of God's plan for our lives. Amen. We lose our heads. We really honestly do. We just want to seek our goal and do what we think is best for us. It was a hot mess. Wasn't probably a month or two into our dating relationship that I found out that I was pregnant. So, wham. Never expected Lisa Savell, or I was Lisa Harris at the time, to ever get pregnant. This wasn't who I was expecting myself to be. And so here I'm sitting in a doctor's office waiting for my test results. And remember, I'm serving God how much? Zero. Zero. Yeah. So what would my vote be if I'm still going through my divorce? It's not even final yet. I've had three children. What do you think my vote would be on her pregnancy? Somebody say abortion? End it. Yeah. End it. It's just inconvenient right now. And what was my goal going into this relationship? Get married and have children. So you can see the pull, the struggle that we had. I wanted to keep this baby. I didn't care what people thought. I wanted this baby. Don's like, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. Even my, my parents were, were shocked for one thing. And they too felt, well, in abortion, you know, because then people aren't going to know about it. This is just bad, you know. So they, being the three strongest examples in my life, and me being a people pleaser, I went with their decision and said that I would have an abortion. And Don promised me that after we were married two years, that then we would start our family. We would have a child, one child. So I, I consented, and I went to have the abortion. My mom took me that day. She was out in the waiting room, and when I came out into the waiting room, sorry, just the pain and the loss of my child, It was overbearing, but I'm like, I cannot let my mom know how much this is killing me. So at that point in my life, I tucked all of those feelings down and buried them. And I came up with the smile on my face and pretended that everything was okay. Don and I continued in a relationship, and it was like two, maybe a week later. I don't know. But the doctor called me and said that they did not get the baby. What do you want to do, he said. <laughs> I had to lie the first time to say that I wanted an abortion. And now the child's still in me, and I don't know what's going on. And I said, you just, just abort it. Just get it out, because I did not want it to suffer. 
after many years of growth and, and learning who God is, I went a post-abortion class through the pregnancy care center. I really learned about God then. You know, I was raised a Christian, but I never spent time in God's word. I never understood who God really was and how important he is in every aspect of our life. Okay, but yeah, I found out who God was later on in life. And so I did have the abortion the second time again. Just to show how cold I was, how selfish I was. We went cross-country skiing the day after her second abortion. New Year's Eve day. I had bought her skis, so we had to go cross-country skiing. Not feeling the pain that she was going through. This is before we're married even. That's where I was at that point in time. But years later, as I found out who God was, who He is, I realized that God was in that room with me. He was there for me, His child, but He was also there for the child that I was rejecting. He had a purpose for that child. And I believe that God put His hand and protected that child through that first abortion to give me another chance And I did not reach out to him again. I just, in fear, freaked out and just had the abortion again. And never, never thought about spending that time with God on my knees and asking him for his will in my life. So, six months later, we get married. Six months from when we met, we got married. Yeah. And uh, started this happy life with this huge chip on someone's shoulder against her husband already. Her husband that is into the second marriage has brought a heavier suitcase than he did into the first marriage because he hasn't changed a bit. And as soon as we were married, you see a person addicted, sexually addicted. It's all about pleasing self. And as soon as I had conquered her as my spouse... I immediately rejected her and turned back to what made me happy. No matter how much I cried, how much it hurt me, he said it was, it's just easier that way for him. Rather than to please his woman, it's easier to please himself. She had no clue about this suitcase mm-hmm. at that point in time. I was really good at the secrets. And I keep looking at myself, and I'm like, I'm the same person I was just before he married me. What, what about me is not attractive now? Why, why is he rejecting me? So we have to fast forward, because we don't have a lot of time today. But well, we started through our marriage year after year, her being rejected, not only verbally, sexually rejected, yeah, well, let's look at this slide. This, this is how we begin our marriage. Really a, a great way to start a marriage. Lust, pride, blame, selfishness, pornography, abortion. And look what's between the uh, groom and the bride. All the past lovers. 
our trash. And God wasn't in my life at all. Lisa had, had wanted to serve God, hadn't rejected Him, but hadn't pursued Him either. And so this is how our marriage started out. Definitely on the wrong foot. And so 14 years, even at 12 years, she was feeling rejected. She says, can, can we have a, a mock, uh, wedding. mock wedding ceremony? Because she didn't have the fancy dress as you saw in the picture there. Can we do a mock wedding and, and recommit? But we had a child. Oh, yeah. We had a child, and a year after we were married, Don came back to the Lord. Amen. But how well do you walk with God as you're trying to carry this thing? And as I started to walk with God, I, the shame of wanting this gone, but not knowing what to do with it. And then the desire rising again and having to take it again and becoming an elder and still carrying this because you can't let anybody know. That's what our life was like. And we had our child. And we, we wore those perfect masks. You know, we were just the happiest couple. You know, everything's Anybody great. in our church would have sworn they are the happiest couple in the church right there. What a good mask we had on. Pretending. So 14 years into well, our marriage. Two years we had our little boy. <laughs> okay, we just keep skipping him, don't we? <laughs> He's very important, I'll tell you. Justin Why? Michael. Because when I had him, he became the love of my life. My husband was not the love of my life. He was my enemy. And my little boy could give me that love that I needed, that I was starving for. And I could love him back. For many years, he was the love of my life. And he actually, you know, because of me, I, I made him between us, you know. And when Don would discipline, I um, would take Justin's side rather than be united with my husband and discipline. Um, he was the enemy. Fast After, forward to 14 years. Yeah, 14 years of um, rejection. rejection demeaningness. He would demean me. If I would try to say something to him, he would turn it around back onto me. I'm not perfect. I am so far from perfect. But his sexual dysfunction was destroying our family. I couldn't take it anymore. One day I was so low and there was no one I could talk to. If I had a gun in the house, I was going to kill myself. I wanted to just die. For many years, I wanted my husband to die. <laughs> I wanted him out of my life, but I knew that I couldn't divorce him because that would be wrong. <laughs> but I could wish him to die. One day we were in Lowe's. We were walking along and all of a sudden he was gone. And I'm like, where did he go? And you know, I don't believe in the secret rapture, but I'm thinking, oh Lord, if you did this, thank you, you know. And then I found him and I'm like, oh, he's still here. It was really bad. But I went to a trusted Christian woman and I shared everything about what I had been going through with the marriage and she said, oh, honey, your husband's addicted to pornography. And I'm like, what? 
And she goes, yes. And she said, most men, if you say I'm leaving, it's me or the pornography, most men will say I'm taking the pornography because it's such a bad addiction. She said, because of how you're feeling, you should probably separate, you know, not divorce, but separate. Um, He needs help. You need help. So I went home and I sat down down and I said, I want a divorce. (laughs) I felt I had the key. I didn't want separation. I wanted a divorce. I didn't feel like, you know, a few weeks into it, I didn't feel like I really had the key. So I went to another pastor shared the story with him, trying to get some confirmation. Come on, can I, can I divorce him, you know? That pastor said, you know, Lisa, I hear your story, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray that God will change Don's heart, and I want you to pray that God will change your heart. So I'm like, I can go through those things, you know? <laughs> this is all I have to do. That's great. So before you finish that story, the Sorry, day she going- told me, that she wanted a divorce. Yeah. And this is really hard for women to understand, but you know what? She was the love of my life. Even though I am addicted to this terrible thing that has me in grips, when I met her, I knew that she was the other half of my heart. And we bonded together and we started growing together, even though these terrible things, the abortion and this addiction were between us. She was the other half of me. I knew without a doubt. And the day that she said she wanted a divorce, because I had made her promise from the beginning that she would never do that to me, because I had already had it happen to me once. And she said, I promise I will never do that. And then she gives me those words, I want a divorce. But you know what, honey? What? At our wedding, you promised me to honor and cherish and love me. Yeah. Ooh, huh? (laughs) She might as well have stuck a knife in my heart that Mm. night. And I walked away from the house lost. I tried to walk with God. I was struggling with the secrecy, with the, the guilt, with the shame. And as I walked away from the house that night, it was a dark, dark night. And just Satan was pressing upon me. Because I have him right where I want him. He is right where I want him. And as I walked about a mile to a bridge over the highway and stepped out on the edge. If she doesn't love me, nobody does and I'm done. I need to end this pain that I'm causing her, that I'm causing myself. This is not going any further. It has to stop here. And as I contemplated taking my life, remember someone else over this thing was about to take her life. It's the way Satan wants us, friends. He wants us on the edge of despair and discouragement. And that's why he throws this terrible sin at us to infiltrate our families. But as I stood there that night, still small voice spoke to me. said, Don, I love you. I want you. Turn to me, Don, and I will help you through this. I will walk with you. You and I, hand in hand, can go through this. 
I said, I can't. I can't go forward without her. Take my hand, Don. It doesn't matter how low we are. Jesus is laying there face to face with us saying, look at me. I am your help. I am your strength. I am a conqueror over that evil one that has done this to you. And that night, I made a decision in my life like I'd never had before. I took his hand. I said, Lord, you have to change me. You have to change me. And as I walked back towards the house, the darkness was lifted. It was warmer. I felt a hope in my life for the first time that I had never felt before. And yes, I went home and moved out of the house and started a long summer without my spouse. And I took the advice of that pastor. So I went home that night, got down on my knees, and I said, God, please change Don's heart. And God, please change Don's heart. (laughs) I'm not going to pray for God to change my heart. I knew what God wanted. Don begged me not to leave. He wasn't like the other guys saying, well, go then. He's like, no, don't leave me. Help me. He begged me for to stay. And yet I turned away from him and said, no, I did not ever want to be his wife again. I'll be his friend. I will not be his wife again. All summer long, I prayed that God would change Don's heart, but I could not pray that God would change my heart. And you know what? And so He didn't. And so... <laughs> I'm moved out. I'm at my own little dumpy apartment. With mice. On my knees. And I ask God, reveal to me who I really am. Don't pray that prayer unless you want to know. Mm -hmm. He started showing me my selfishness. He started showing me what I had done through the abortion to my wife. He started revealing these things to me and I would weep and ask him to change me. And he began that change in me a little at a time as I would seek him and ask for that change in me. And I would pray for my wife that God would change her as well. There were many people praying for us. We know that. A lot of intercessory prayer. One day... Don had Justin, our son, at his apartment for the weekend. And when he brought him back, the words came out of my mouth, do you want to take a walk? And I'm like, what? Why did I just say that? I have nothing to say to him. But God can really speak through us even when we're being cold-hearted. And Don's like, yes, yes, I would like to take a walk. I'm like, oh. So we started walking around the block And Don was sharing all the things that God had been revealing to him all summer long. He had shared about the the abortion. He had apologized for that. My heart was still cold. The last thing that he said to me before our walk ended was, Lisa, you brought me back to God. 
and now I see you going away from God. Like, even if we don't get back together, don't lose your walk with God. Don't lose your walk with God. And that struck my heart, thinking, he does care. He cares about my salvation. And so it made me think. And that night I got down on my knees and I did my routine. Dear Lord, please change Don's heart. And as soon as I said that, all those words that he had been saying to me, how God had been revealing things to him all summer long, came back to me. And I could see change. And then I asked God, please change my heart too. And you know, I've always wanted to be in God's presence, even from a little girl. And when I said that, I knew that I was back home with God, and I knew what I needed to do. And I put on a pretty dress, went to Don's work the next day, and I told him that I'm willing to make this marriage work with God's help. (laughs) That is the only only source in our marriage that can keep us together is God. As you see here, this is us saying, okay, Lord, we surrender. We've been through it. We are reaching out to God. And then as we reach out more even individually to God with our own personal time with God, it draws us closer to God and then closer and closer to each other. God is the victory in our life. Amen. And you know, our marriage isn't perfect. I don't know that there is a perfect marriage on this earth. We're still growing. It's a long process, but I'm in it. Are you in it, honey? I'm in it. I'm in it through it all. It's a struggle. It's hard. But as we keep the cross before us, that's where we get our strength. Amen. Friends, there's only one true way to conquer sexual addiction in your life. Mm -hmm. There's only one that is stronger than the evil one. And it's Jesus Christ. He's a chain breaker. (laughs) If you do not intimately know Him, you do not have a chance against Him. He is what saved our marriage. People pleading for us. And it takes surrender on each part his part and my part god wasn't changing my heart because i wasn't asking him to so my heart was growing colder and colder and colder i was becoming more and more like the enemy and less and less like god so it wasn't until i surrendered my heart to him and don had already surrendered his heart to to god that's what brought us together So you want to show that diagram, honey? So this is what a marriage should look like when it is uncompromised. And you know what? Our God is so awesome. He can take a marriage that is totally messed up and say, how about we start over? (laughs) What a God. He says, clean slate, start over. Reset. You are uncompromised. (laughs) Now go forward with long-suffering and giving and peace and faith and love and joy and hope 
and purity and respect and selflessness. Learn of the Holy Spirit. Let Him in to transform you and to dwell in you. Let me abide in you and you abide in me and I will give you this kind of life. The fruit of the Spirit. An uncompromised marriage, an uncompromised Mm -hmm. life. What an awesome God. Do you know, friends, the world around us and even in Adventism, Mm -hmm. most of the time has this kind of diagram in their life. Their spiritual life is, is just church and maybe devotions. Maybe and you not. know why? Because we're brought up that way. Yeah. When we're parents, we don't really want to talk too much about sex to our kids. You know, we'll take them to church and teach them about God, but we kind of leave the sex part of it out. So as we grow up, we don't really include God into our sexual life or any other of the areas of our life. So we have friends we like to hang out with, we like to play games with and stuff. We have finances, and, and so many families have his finances and her finances. We have physical, sexual, and emotional issues going on in our marriages. We have work, and we have school. We have hobbies. We have activities. We've got to have that fun. Where is God? Our spiritual life is so small compared to the rest of the world and what it's affecting us. You you see, friends, this is what God wants our spiritual life to be. Mm -hmm. To include everything. All of it. There should be no parts of the world in our lives. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's not just talking about sexual issues. That's talking about all of our lives. Everything encompassed is not of the Father, but is of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to make a choice if we want to be pure in our marriages. To be pure in God. You know, that diagram we showed how the the husband and wife, as they grow closer to Christ, become one with God. Isn't it interesting that the Godhead is three in one? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that He gave us the marriage Husband, wife, and Christ, three in one. And if we are not three in one with Christ, our marriage is broken. And it's on a track to be derailed. And Satan knows where to derail us, friends. He really does know. So, we've shared our story with you. We want to be able to be open with you. I don't know if you guys have questions or not. We do have resources. Don, what kind of resources is there help for for guys? Well, one thing that's really helped us is this program over to the right. It's called uh, Seven Pillars. It's not Adventist-oriented, 
but it's a very powerful program. It's actually a six-month program. It's best to be done in a group, but there's a workbook and there's a journal, and you go for six months, a group of guys, maybe two, maybe four, maybe six guys, and you go through those, and what is awesome the people that have put this together, it is so spiritual. You're actually reading God's Word every day mm-hmm. and talking about it as you're working on different things to help you with these sexual addictions. So that's a powerful one for the guys. It doesn't go into doctrine stuff. No. It's all about, you know... Purity in God's purity Word. Purity in God's and, Word. And leads you yeah. to God's Word and, and shows strength there. And it's very important for the guys that are struggling with this to be in a group or to at least have a, um, accountability, a mentor, accountability, accountability partner. person and a mentor to help them. Yes. What about for the, the women? For the women, we have the Betrayal and Beyond series here, which helps healing to take part as in the wife's life from rejection and all the abuse that comes with having a partner with um, sexual dysfunction. So if either of these look good to you, you can come up afterwards. Mm-hmm. we got time, and you can look them through, look through the books. And, and we would and, even uh, actually be willing to go through these series with you, you know, through Zoom or whatever. So this is put out by puredesire.org, puredesire.org. But you can come up and get that information afterwards if you're interested in those. But I want to share something with you just to finalize, to show... How intent Satan is on destroying us. This is a picture of a great heart cockle. And this is a story that my illustration my dad used to always use. He loved to collect shells. He had literally thousands of shells and stories to go along with them. The great heart cockle loves to live down around Florida in the sandy bottoms. And... Uh, it would burrow down into the sand and then sometimes get washed up on the shore and that's what you sometimes find them. Sometimes they're twice this size. They're almost double-fisted, great big guys. They're a very strong clam. And if you find a live one on the beach, you cannot pry it open with your hands. He has such a strong muscle, you cannot pry him open without using a tool or something to actually break him and open him up. But you know what? The great heart cockle has an enemy that he doesn't like too well. And it's a starfish. Now, if you've ever been at the ocean and felt a starfish, he's got all these suck, suction cups on the bottom, and he can suck, get a hold of you, and you can hear him pop as he pulls them off. But he isn't strong either. He cannot open this great heart cockle, even though he's got hundreds and hundreds of suction cups, and there's no way he can open this. But what he does is this. He comes along and finds a great heart cockle on the bottom. Oh, my favorite lunch. And he (laughs) starts looking around the edge of Mr. Great Heart Cockle. All he needs is a hole that Mr. Cockle hasn't fixed that is the size of a pin. A pin. If you stuck a pin through a piece of paper, that's all the bigger hole he needs. And as he finds that, he stops... And right in the center on the bottom, Mr. Starfish has a stomach that can go through a pinhole. And he protrudes his stomach inside Mr. Greatheart Cockle and has his lunch. 
And when he's all done digesting that, he pulls his stomach back out and walks off a happy starfish on the bottom of the ocean. He leaves behind him a beautiful great heart cockle with nothing inside. Satan, friends, only needs a pinhole in our homes, in our lives. Only a pinhole. And if he has one entrance, he comes in and he comes in to destroy and to kill. He had found that one in my life. And he was on a mission to kill me. He had found that in Lisa's life and he was on a mission to destroy her. We do not have to let him in. Because when we marry Jesus, He fixes the holes that the devil can get in. And it's not all at once. He starts that process and he says, Don, can I fix this little hole right here? This is a problem. Okay, Lord, go ahead and fix that one. And then, Don, what about this one over here? There's another hole over here that Satan wants to get in. Yeah, go ahead and fix that one. What are we holding on to that we don't want to let go of, friends? Because that's the bottom line. What is in our life? What are we packing in that suitcase that we just cannot let him open up and take out? It will kill you. It will destroy you if you don't let Jesus take it. Amen. So I encourage you to battle against the evil one by marrying Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, what do we got for tools? Well, we got some scripture weapon cards that you'll find on the back table there as you go out. We're out of time, but I want to just briefly go through this. What did Jesus, as he walked the earth, as he was tempted in the wilderness, what did Jesus defeat Satan with? Scripture. The Word of God. Mm-hmm. Let me get this right. The Son of God himself used the Word of God against the evil one. And yet, I may walk out of my house in the morning without any weaponry and think I can handle him today. What chance do I have? I better have the Word of God ready to use against him when he attacks. So this is what the Scripture weapon cards are. Each color represents a different stronghold Whatever in our life. Whatever you want it to. Mm-hmm. So just to use an example of me, lust was a big one in my life. Lust, when a woman would walk past me that was not dressed appropriately, what would happen? Whoa, what should I do? If I have a Scripture weapon card in my pocket, I would, and this happened to me, I walked into Walmart one day, and a young woman walked across in front of me that shouldn't, wasn't even dressed for Walmart. And you can wear about anything in Walmart, but she was not even dressed for Walmart. And instantly, something happened in my head. I can look again, or I can take God's Word and get rid of the enemy. I reached into my pocket, pulled out my Scripture weapon card, and looked at it, and as I walked through Walmart, because I knew what I needed to get, and I can see the aisle past my card, I'm reading my prayer, Lord, I want my eyes to be pure. 
stayed upon you. And then I read my scripture. And I got to the item that I needed to buy. Where do you think the temptation was? Gone. Satan had been defeated with what? Mm -hmm. God's word. I have hid my word, thy word, in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mine was bitterness. Don always kept his bitterness card with him. I had that and one too. I was in church and I was like, oh, so angry because women had said things to me and just made me mad, you know. And then the pre- preacher's up there and I'm not even hearing what he's saying. I'm just angry. And I'm like, you know, this is ridiculous. So I said, Don, do you have your scripture weapon card? I started reading on bitterness, you know, a scripture regarding bitterness. And, I, and the prayer that he had written down about surrendering the bitterness to him. And I just melted and it was gone. And it's just God's word and prayer is, power. is, is powerful. Is yeah. power. So we have a drawing. Do we want to close in prayer yeah, first? and then We have our prayer okay. and then we will have a drawing. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, Lord, we have talked about you today. We have talked about the enemy and the tools he's using on us. And Lord, you are the only one that can take him out. You have already won that battle if we will just claim it for ourselves, Lord. And we need to claim it today, Lord. Father, there's some here that are struggling right now. There's some here that that need you now. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to rest upon them, Lord. Amen. To give them victory for them to see that they must turn to You, the true Son of righteousness, and let You in, Mm -hmm. all the way in. And You will battle the evil one for them. Father, we ask for victories today because You have already won that victory against the enemy. And we claim that and praise You for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.